you have your Bibles, open up to um, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read there verse 1. Now, you know, last, last week I began a message entitled, Having Now Faith. Do, um, thank you. I'm going to do part two today, and I'm going to try to finish it up best as I can. I want to get this word out. Amen. That's better. Yeah. Thing too low. That's all it is. All right. There we go. Amen. Glory. All right. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And it says there, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So this is the essentially the definition for the word faith, right? It's the substance of things hoped for. Or it gives you substance or something to stand on. You're hoping and you're believing for something, but you don't have anything concrete, right? Hope is just a dream. It's like you're wishing for something, but you don't have any uh, concrete thing that you can say, I know that this is a reality. Faith gives you that. So faith gives you substance to what you're hoping for. It gives you evidence for the things that you can't see, right? Faith, I mentioned before, is based upon the word of God, right? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So you can't have the biblical definition for faith if you don't have a word from God. If you don't have a word from God, all you're doing is hoping and you're wishing, but you're not, you don't have faith. When you get a word from God, then you can say, I have, now I have faith. I have something to stand on. Can you say amen? amen. So, you know, last week I began this message, uh, but of course I wasn't able to finish it, so I'm gonna do so today. But when I started this mention, I'm, a message, I mentioned that when I began to read this particular scripture, it jumped out at me. See, I want to teach you something about reading the word of God. You know, the, wor the word of God, the written word of God, when you pick up the Bible, that is the logos of God, right? Logos is one of the Greek words for the word, word in the Bible, right? It is the logos, which is the general written word of God, right? It's what God has said, right? It's what God has said in his word. Now, rhema, Word of God is what the word that God has spoken specifically to you, right? Amen. So you can, you can read the word of God and it be logos. In other words, is what God has said. God said that, right? But is he saying it to you? That's, that's the important part. That's when we get rhema is when a word, when you read the Bible and it just jumps out at you. You know what I'm saying? Then you know, or I'm ministering the word and it's like, whoa, hold up. I've never seen that before. Is God making it real to you, and he has given you rhema, right? You begin to pray, and you hear that, right? And God is trying to get something over to you. That's when it becomes rhema to you, and that's when we live by the rhema word of God. Can you say amen? amen. Now, let me just get into this. But when I was reading this, I heard the Lord say, you must have now faith. <laughs> in other words, you have to have faith now for the things that you're believing for in the future. And he said to me, the sooner you have faith, the sooner you receive what you're believing for. So don't stop, don't, don't wait to believe. And he began to say, you know, I was thinking about this, and we all know that the things in the spirit take time to develop. They don't happen overnight. And we all know that, right? Or we should know that. <laughs> There's a process for receiving the blessings in favor of God. Now, I said this. It's going to take some time for your, your blessing to come your way. 
With that being said, every day that you live in doubt and unbelief, and every day you wait to believe is another day that you push back the blessings of God. Right? You don't get started today and you wait till tomorrow, you push it back. If you wait till next week to believe, you're pushing it back. You wait till next year to believe, you'll be pushing it a whole year back, right? You need to start believing now because the sooner you start believing, the sooner the manifestation will come. Can you say amen? amen. Now, this is the truth that I want you to recognize. That is the fact that your faith in God's words or the lack of it will ultimately determine what will happen to you in life. Your faith in God or your lack of it will determine where you end up in terms of, you know, the things that you're hoping and believing for. <laughs> your faith will cause you to realize the promises, the blessings and favor of God, while your unbelief will cause you to miss out on God's best for your life. You guys looking at me like I'm strange, but I'm going to lay this foundation for you. You guys ready for this? Yeah. Now, this is another truth that I want you to know. God's promises to you are his intentions for your life. All right? They're, your, they're his intentions, not guarantees. They are available to you, but it's up to you to lay hold of them. All right? And then I, I see, I want you to, I'm, I'm moving slow because I want, you to, I want you to hear everything I'm saying. Your faith is the invisible hand that lays hold of the promises of God in the spirit and begins to pull them from the supernatural realm into the natural. That's what your faith is. It's your invisible hand that is laying hold of the promises of God and they're pulling them into, from the supernatural realm into the natural. Your unbelief, however, is the wall that blocks them from getting to you. Amen. With that being said, if you want God's promises, you must believe that he can and that he will do it for you. Can you say amen? amen. All right, see, again, why do we need faith? Here we are. We're hoping for something. And I mentioned to you hope is like a dream, right? It's a wish. But that's all it is. It's empty. We need hope because it's important. It gives substance to you. It helps you uh, in your faith walk. But it is, if you're just hoping and you don't have faith, you're just wishing for something to happen. You may say, one day I would love to be successful. One day I would love to be healed. One day I would love to be, you know, married, whatever, right? But that's just a hope and a wish. Until you have faith, you don't have anything concrete to stand on. The word for substance is the Greek word hypostasis, which means a setting under. It's like it's a, it gives you a bridge or something to stand on. And I mentioned last week that it's like what you're believing for is way over there. You're here. You're hoping for that. When you get faith, it gives you something to stand on. It gives you a bridge that will get you from here to there. And the sooner you begin your walk, your faith walk, that is, the sooner you'll be able to reach the other side and lay hold of what you are believing for. Amen. So, so again, you can't wait. You got to start believing now. Don't wait, don't, don't wait another day to start believing God and start believing him to do something incredible in your life. Start believing today. Can you say amen? amen. Now, I wanted to, I, I went over all that last week. So I'm not going to go back over it again. If you want to 
hear that word, you can go back on Facebook, on YouTube, and you can watch that again. We also have a, a podcast that you can check out. But I want to get into part two today. Turn your Bibles to Mark 11, verses 20 through 24. And I want to get into some process things so that we can get to the next level in our faith. Can you say amen? amen. All right, Mark 11, verse 20, and I'm reading through verse 24. If you guys can't find it, it's right, it'll be right up here. Oh, it's up there. Good job, Minister Eben. <laughs> and I'm reading the Amplified Version. And it says there, in the morning, as they were passing by, the disciples saw that the fig tree had withered away from the roots up. Now, on their way somewhere, right, Jesus and his disciples are walking, and Jesus sees this fig tree. And he puts his hand in there to try to receive figs. I won't get into the whole story, but bottom line is it had leaves, and when the fig tree has leaves, it's supposed to also have figs on it. So when he reached his hand in there, he didn't find any figs. So the Bible says he cursed the fig tree, right? So he says, no, you're not going to produce any more fruit for, forever, right? He cursed it at, to the roots. And they, leave, they walk off, right? So they're like, you know, I guess they're like, okay. <laughs> you know, they just, Jesus is mad. And they just kept starting. They walk, right? So now they're coming back, and they're seeing, like, the fig tree is withered up to the roots, man. I mean, this thing is, like, dead. And so when they see this, it says, remembering, Peter said to him, Rabbi, or Master, look, the fig tree which you curse is withered. And he's the only one, they're the only one shocked. Jesus knew when he cursed it, it was going to be withered up. <laughs> and see, and now he uses this as a teachable moment to teach us about faith. <laughs> because when he released that word on that fig tree, it had no, it had no, hope in this world to be able to live after Jesus cursed it. And he understood that, but they didn't. So now he's teaching them about having faith in the word of God. And he says, Jesus replied, have faith in God constantly. I love that. And he amplified it, says, have faith in God constantly. And then he says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And listen to this and does not doubt in his heart in God's unlimited power, but believes that what he says is going to take place. It will be done for him in accordance to God's will. And he says, for this reason, I'm telling you, what th whatever things you ask for in prayer in accordance to God's will, believe with confident trust that you have received them and, you, and they will be given to you or you shall have them. So Jesus teaches us right here about faith. Now, I want to break down this little part right here. You guys ready for this one? Yes. Now, again, I want to take this a step further today because having now faith is not enough. <laughs> I want you to have now faith, but it's not enough. Once you start having faith, your faith must be constant. It has to be consistent. It can't just be, well, I believe today and then tomorrow I don't. It has to be constant. Can you say amen? amen? Your faith must then be released through your words and your actions. Doubt must be eliminated from your heart. And, and I put here, no matter what happens and no matter what the enemy does, you must continue to have faith in God. Amen. So let's, let's start with this. Number one, your faith in God's word, it must be constant. And that's what Jesus says, have faith in God constantly. So the first thing that you need to understand about faith is that faith is not for the moment. 
And in order for you to receive the blessings of God, your faith, it has to be constant. In other words, your faith must be able to endure the waiting period. It must be able to last when it looks like the promises is not, are not going to happen. You must be able to continue to believe, and it, even when it looks like you're facing an impossible situation. And as Jesus said, you must have faith in God and his word constantly if you're going to receive the promises of God. Again, faith is not, is not just for the short period of time. Again, like I mentioned before, it takes time for the promises of God to come to pass in your life. And if, you, if you're just going to believe today while we're in the service and you're going to walk out of here and you're going to stop believing, you're never going to receive what God really has for you. Your faith in God's word must be constant. Even when it looks like it's not working. That's the most difficult part. As long as everybody, everything is going good, anybody can believe God. As long as everything is going your way, it don't take no, it doesn't take a real strong faith to believe God if everything's going your way. What it, it takes trust and real faith in God when things go the opposite way. And when it looks like it ain't working. That's when the doubt starts setting in. That's when the devil starts attacking your mind and saying, that word wasn't for you. You know, you think you can, you think you're gonna get that? Preacher was lying to you. See, that's when the devil starts working on your mind and telling you everything that you heard and everything that you read and everything that you believed is not going to happen for you. And, and it's at times like that, that's when, that's when faith got to kick in. You know, not, not, you, know you, ever, you, got, you got money in the bank. You, got, you, gonna put, you, you know, put your hand in your pocket. You got money there. You ain't got to trust God. You got money. When you're challenged, when you're broke, when you're, when, you know what I'm saying, when you got a bill that you can't, when things like that start happening, that's when you got to believe God. Yeah. It's easy to believe God as long as everything is going right. As long as, every, you know, as long as, you know, you ain't got no problems, as long as the enemy is not messing with you, it's easy to trust God. Yeah. Real faith kicks in and real trust kicks in when things are going in the opposite direction. It doesn't look like it's happening. And that's why Jesus said, you must have faith in God constantly. You can't allow what's happening to you and what's happening around you to cause you to stop trusting God. If you do that, you will not be receiving much from God. Now, let me give you this. Let me give you this here. Psalm chapter 105, verses 17 through 22. Now, I was ministering on Thursday about Joseph, who's one of my favorite biblical characters. And, and everything that he had to go through to receive the promise. And um, I want to read this because this gives us insight into this transition that, that, you know, Joseph had to take as he was going into Egypt. Mm -hmm. This is kind of left out in Genesis when we're just reading over it. But in Psalms 105, verses 17 to 22, it says there, he sent a man before them, talking about God. He sent a man before them, Joseph who was sold as a slave. Now, we see here that God sent him. God, yeah, yes, his brothers threw him in a pit and they sold him, but it was God who was sending him. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Now, I want you to listen to this. His feet, they hurt with shackles. See, we don't, we don't, we don't think about that. We see that Joseph is taken up out of the pit 
He's sold into Egypt. And next thing you know, he's in a man named Potiphar's house. But no, there was a real transition that happened. He, they shackled him, chained him up. He was put on some auction block. And people were bitten on him. He was, he was being sold as a slave. So he says his feet, they hurt with shackles. He was put in chains of iron. Whew. And it says, until the time that his word of prophecy regarding his brothers came true, the word of the Lord tested and refined him. In other words, and t- see, in one, in one translation, it says that the iron got into his soul. <laughs> I mean, what they did to him physically affected him not just physically but emotionally it got on the inside of him Mm. and he had a fight on his hands and the only thing that he had as he shackled and on his way to Egypt as a slave the only thing that he has is the word of God he don't have nothing else I mean everything else has been stripped from him he don't have his coat of many colors on him anymore he's probably sitting there half naked you know and in chains He has nothing but the word of God to keep him as he's standing up there and being bitted on to be somebody's slave. You're talking about an impossible situation. You're talking about being challenged, you know, and going through something. Until the time that his word came true, until it came to pass, The word of the Lord tested and refined him. That word of the Lord, do you believe me? I know that this is the situation you're in right now, but do you believe my word? Do you believe what I said, or do you believe these chains on your hands? Do you believe that those chains are greater than my word? Do you believe that your circumstances are greater than what what I said to you? What you're going through, do you think it's too difficult for me to help you get out of this? Right? And see, the word of God is, is, is there constantly, every day, to test him and refine him and speak to him. All while he's going through everything he's going through. And that's all he got. He ain't got nothing else. He's a slave in some man Potiphar's house. Then he's, and, now he's, and then he's in the prison. All he has is the word of God to keep him. And see, I say this because... Even though things that you go through look like they're an impossibility, as long as you got a word from God, you got hope. As long as you got a word from God, you're going to make it, as long as you keep trusting that word. See, he couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't give up. He couldn't say, well, it's over for me now. I guess the word wasn't true. Who would have known what would have happened to Joseph if he, if he just quit on God? But he had to continue to hold on to that word all while he was going through what he was going through. And so will you. So will you. When you're going through whatever it is you got to go through, you got to hold on to the word of God and say, okay, I know that this is what is happening to me right now. But this is what God said. You know, I was looking at something. I'm going to preach on this. But this morning I was studying the scriptures. And I saw, um, I was reading in, in Exodus about when God was getting ready to release Israel from Egypt. And God told Moses, he said, I want you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go, right? 
And um, he says, you know, so he goes. He tells him to let him go. And then Pharaoh, he gets upset, right? Of course, that Moses came to tell me to let the people. He said, he says, you know, make them work harder now. He says, don't give them any straw. You know, let them let them go find straw for themselves. But don't don't diminish the amount of bricks that they're gonna have to make. So he made it harder for them. And then when they couldn't produce, he began to beat them. And he said, well, you know, your, your servants stopped giving us straw. We can't, we can't make bricks without straw. You know, he says, well, you're, you're crying talking about let me go, let me go to uh, sacrifice to my God. He said, you're doing that because you're, you're lazy and you're idle. He says, now get out of here and make bricks. When that start happening, then they start getting mad at Moses. And Moses starts praying like, God, you know, you, you sent me here to release these people, and yet you're not letting them go. And he, he says, God says to him, I love it. He says, now I'm going to show you what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. <laughs> I love it, man. And then he starts releasing all these crazy plagues on Pharaoh. But the, this is what I wanted to say out of that. Whenever you get a word from God, the devil will counterattack. Because what he's trying to do is he's trying to make you think what you heard wasn't for you. See, he wants you to stop believing. See, the, the most dangerous thing in the world to the devil is a Christian that actually believes. He don't mind you being a Christian, you know, if you're sitting around and doubting unbelief. He don't care about that. He don't care about you coming to church. He cares about you believing what you hear in church. And, and applying it to your life. Right. That's what he cares about. He don't keep you sitting here all you want. <laughs> as long as you don't believe what you're hearing, and as long as you don't go out and apply what you're learning. He don't care. You don't get dance, you can shout, you can run over here, fall out, foam at the mouth, and all that stuff. He don't care about none of that. <laughs> he don't care about none of that. It, as long as you don't believe what you're hearing, and as long as you don't apply it to your life, you can go ahead and have as much fun in church as you want. This is the most dangerous thing to the enemy, is a believer that actually believes. And that will not release what God told him, no matter what he tries to do. He knows he's in trouble then. You know, so he'll always try to counterattack. He'll always try to send something your way to make you think it ain't going to happen. Because he wants you to stop believing. He don't want you to continue to believe God. All right, I got to keep moving. You, 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 you guys getting something out of this? Yeah. All right, now. All right, so that's number one. Your faith got to be constant. Number two, I'm going to say this to you. Your faith has a voice. And you release your faith through your words. And 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. And the Amplified, it says, Yet we have the same spirit of faith, as he had, who wrote in the scripture, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. See, I want to submit something to you right now. What you really believe is what you're speaking on a constant basis. That's what you really believe. I don't care, I don't care what you say in church. <laughs> what you really believe is what you're consistently speaking. So if you're always talking about, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to make it, I'm nobody, it's hopeless, it's helpless, you know, all that stuff. If that's what you're always speaking, that's what you really believe. That's, that's what you really believe, you know. 
anybody, you know, can sit inside church and, and learn the church lingo. <laughs> but what you really believe is what you talk to your friends about. When you tell them how horrible everything is and how you don't think you're ever going to make it through. And, you know, that's what you really believe. Because he says, we have the same spirit of faith as he had, who's, who wrote in the scripture, I believe, therefore I spoke. Whatever you believe, that's what you're going to speak. If you believe the word of God, then the word of God will be coming out your mouth on a consistent and regular basis. So I put here, faith has a voice. And if you believe something, you're going to speak it. Those words spoken in faith and the unlimited power of God have the power to move mountains out of your way. Now, when I say mountains, I'm speaking, I'm not talking about literal mountains. Mountains in the Bible are symbolic of obstacles that are standing in your way. So if you want an obstacle to move, you got to speak to it and you got to tell it to move in Jesus' name. You can't look at the mountain and have it move. You can't think about the mountain moving. You got to speak to it. And I put here, you know, whenever I'm faced with a difficult situation, I can, I can, hear, I can hear God in the back of my mind say, silent faith moves no mountains. If you want that mountain to move, if you want that obstacle to get out of your way, you got to start speaking to it. Don't sit there and be silent. Say something to it. See, God has given us authority in our words. We have the same authority God gave us, the same authority that he had when he said, let there be light, and there was light. We have authority through the words we speak. And see, that's, that's, that's both beautiful and it's dangerous. Because if you're speaking the right words, it can create a beautiful life for you. But if you're speaking negative words, fearful words, words of unbelief, you'll start creating that. Because we have creative power in our words. The Bible says death and life is in the power of your tongue. If you want death, keep speaking that mess. If you want life, that's what you're going to have to speak. Stop talking trash out of your mouth if you want good things and right things. Stop talking trash. You got to release the word of God through your lips. Can you say amen? amen? Now, your words, they cause action to take place in the spirit world. In Psalm chapter 103, verse 20, listen to this. It says, bless the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his commandments, obeying the voice of his word. The Bible says that the angels, they obey the voice of God's word, right? Not just God's word, the voice of it. Now, now, what's the voice of God's word? What's the voice of God's word? Our voice. Thank you. That's exactly right. It's not, you don't pick up the Bible and you do like this and you start hearing it. The voice of God's word is your voice. You speak in the word of God. When you speak the word of God, the angels begin to take notice and they begin to obey those commandments. In Hebrews 1.14, it says, Are not all the angels ministering spirits sent out by God to serve those who will inherit salvation? Who are the inheritors of salvation? You are. And the Bible says the angels were sent, right, to minister or to serve those who will inherit salvation. 
So when you begin to release the word of God out of your mouth, angelic activity breaks out. And I put here, although we're not aware of it, there's a great deal of angelic and demonic activity all around us, constantly. The spirit world is just as real, if not more real, than the natural world is. Because this world was created or patterned after it. He created the heavens and then the earth. We are a pattern. That's why when God told, when God brought Moses up to the mountain, he showed him what, the, what, what heaven looked like, what the throne room looked like. And he said, I want you to make this tabernacle just like you saw it here. So he did the best with natural material to make what God showed him in the spirit. And that's why it says that Jesus went up to the real tabernacle in heaven and he submitted his own body as a sacrifice. Because he was the lamb, but he was also the high priest performing the, you know, performing the, the sacrifice himself. Now, again, we may not realize it or be able to see it, but we're surrounded by protective angels. You know, there was a, there's a scripture in the Bible where it talks about the prophet Elisha. And he's, he's up there with his servant, right? And these guys come to get him. Because <laughs> this king got upset because Elisha was telling the king of Israel everything that this king was doing. Everything that he said, he was telling... He, he was able to tell the king what he was saying. And he says, man, who's telling, who's, who, who's, who's the enemy that's telling all my secrets to this guy, to, uh, to the king over there? And he said, look, man, it's not one of us. It's, they are prophet in, in Israel. His name is Elisha. He said, well, well, go get him. So they went to go get him, and his servant starts freaking out. And he says, don't worry. He said, there's more with us than against us. And he's like, I don't see nobody but me and you. And he's like, God opened his eyes. And when God opened this man's eyes, he saw chariots of fire all around Elisha. Angelic, angelic chariots of fire. Crazy, man. But that's what is going on in the spirit world that we just can't see. Now that you guys looking at me like I'm crazy. But I can back it up with scriptures now. It's in the Bible, I promise you. <laughs> now, I put here, see, when we release the word of God in faith, the angels of God obey it and carry it out. And that's why it's important to release your faith through the spoken word. It releases power in the spirit world. It creates angelic activity to happen on our behalf. You know, the Bible says that when Daniel began to pray, in fact, he was praying and fasting for 21 days. And when the angel finally arrived, the archangel Gabriel, he showed up and he said, from the first day that you began to pray, he said, I was released with an answer for you. But there was demonic activity happening as well, trying to stop the angel from getting to, to, to Daniel to give him the answer. And that's why it took 21 days, because he was released on the first day. And see, that's why you can't give up. Because here you are, you don't know that's happening. You're praying, you don't see it. And it can just be activity happening in the heavenlies that you don't know about. And you give up, and then your angel has to turn back around, go back. But because he was consistent, and he continued to pray, he continued to fast, finally his angel was able to break through with the answer. 
And, it's, and, and then when he showed up, he says, I've come for your words. See, I've come for your words. See, many of you have had devils show up at your door. And you, you know, what are you doing here, Mr. Devil? I've come for your words. I've come for your, you said that you'll never make it. I'm here to make sure you don't. You said that you're going to be sick with this, that, and the other thing. I'm, I'm, I'm here to try to help you help it along. You know, you said that, you know, you're depressed. I'm trying to put it all on you now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you to, you, you, you know, you want to kill yourself. I'm here to help you along with committing suicide. Right? The, 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 he'll show up at your door. So that's why you can't be talking trash out your mouth. Because you'll invite demonic activity to yourself. Now, if you speak the right words, you'll invite angelic activity into your life. And so I'm very, very careful about what I say. I'm very, very, if you ever talk to me, you'll, you'll rarely hear me say anything negative because I, don't, I, I want, I want right. blessings and favor in my life. I don't want the devil to jump on anything that I say and try to help it along. Right. So your words, your faith has a voice, and you got to begin to release it through the spoken word. Can you say amen? amen. Number three, I got to keep moving, man. I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys are getting something, but... I'm getting blessed. I don't know about you guys. Now, number three, Mark chapter 11, verse 23. And that's the fact that your faith, it got to be from the heart. Now, Jesus said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, right? You got to speak to the mountain, right? Be lifted up and, and be thrown into the sea. Listen to this. And does not doubt in his heart and God's unlimited power. But believe what he says is going to take place. It will be done for him in accordance to God's will. See, it's not just, it's, see, you can't speak empty words, right? You have to believe this from the heart. You can't just say things and not believe them. See, I can get a parakeet to quote, I can teach him the scriptures. They'll rock. I can do all things, you know, like, yeah, I, can I can teach a parakeet how to quote the scriptures. That don't mean he believes. And sometimes we get in here and we can be spiritual parakeets. You know, I, I tell you, you know, all right, I want you to say I'm blessed and I can't be cursed, right? And everybody say I'm blessed, I can't be cursed. You walked out of here, you'd you be like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Like, you know what I'm saying? You just said you're blessed. What you mean how you going to make it? You just said you're blessed. That mean, you know what that means? When you say you're blessed, it means I am empowered to prosper and have good success. That's what the word blessed means. I'm empowered by God to prosper and have good success. Amen. How are you not going to make it? Amen. But I can teach you, you sit here, I'm blessed. How you doing? Blessed. Highly favored, right? Uh, we can teach you all of the church stuff, you know? But if you don't believe it, it's just empty words. Amen. You got to believe what you're saying. Can you say Amen. Now, Romans chapter 10, verses 6 to 11. This is where we find the scripture, right? Romans 10, 9, and 10 is where we get the scripture for salvation, right? Where we learn about how to, how to um, get saved, right? How to say the salvation prayer. But I want to go deeper into this. I want you to look at this because it teaches us about faith. Romans 10, verses 6 to 11, it says, But the righteousness based on faith, which produces a right relationship with him, says the following. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead as if he had, we had to be saved by our own efforts, doing the impossible. 
But what does it say? This is what I want to get to. The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. Not just in your mouth. In your mouth and in your heart. And I'm not talking about the organ, your heart. The heart is the, your, the heart and the spirit is your, the very center of your being. Right? He says you got to believe. Not, you, just, you just can't say it out your mouth. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word or the message of faith which we preach. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, authority, and majesty as God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this is what I want to get to. Now, see, that's what we use to get people saved, right? We, we teach them to, 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 to say that so that they can give their life to the Lord Jesus. But it goes deeper into that, right? It says, for with the heart, now, this is, forget about salvation alone. Think about anything else that you can receive by faith. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in his justification. And with the mouth, he acknowledges and confesses his faith openly, resulting in confirming his salvation. So whatever is in your heart has to be released through your mouth in order for it to be effective. It's, it's, it's the connection. It's not just you saying some stuff. It's you believing it in your heart. Because you can sit up here and you can try to give your life to Jesus, but you don't believe that. You can say it and still not be saved. Or, you know, you could be quoting some scripture someone gave you and you don't believe it. You're not going to get the, the benefit of that scripture. You have to believe it in your heart. And then it will release power when you say it out of your mouth. But the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. That's the key right there. If you believe in God, you'll never be disappointed. If you trust God, you'll never be disappointed. If you have faith in God, you'll never be disappointed. You're only disappointed when you don't trust God. You know, I know a lot of people are disappointed, but it's not because of God. It's because they're not trusting God. All right, you guys are looking at me strange. I'm giving it to you. Rough, rugged, and raw, I'm hoping you're getting it. Again, you must believe what you're speaking in order for it to work. You can't speak the word of faith and have power released if you don't believe it from your heart. You got to believe what you're saying. If there's doubt in your heart, your words are empty and meaningless. Just like that parakeet that's reciting scriptures. <laughs> I also want to mention this. You have to get to the point where you completely and totally believe that God's power it's truly unlimited. You must believe that there's no obstacle that can stand in God's way. You must believe that there's no problem that's too difficult for God to solve. Once you get to that point in your faith, that's when doubt will be removed. See, that's why God, when, God, when, when, when Sarah laughed, when God began to say, I'm going to visit you this time next year, and you and Sarah are going to have a child. She laughed, right? And he said, this is what he said. He says, why did you laugh? And she says, well, I didn't laugh. She was scared, you know. He says, no, you did laugh. And then he goes on to say, is anything too difficult for God? See, is there anything too hard for God? Is anything too difficult for him? See, doubt can only set in if you think that it's too difficult for God to handle. It's too much. 
Let me take it a step further. Most people, what they do is they're thinking about how they're going to get out of it. They're thinking about how am I going to do it. And the other thing I was reading in scripture, I, I, I can't wait to preach this. But the first thing that happened when God told Moses to go to Egypt and to tell uh, Pharaoh to let my people go, he says, who am I that I should tell Pharaoh to let your people go? Who, who am I to do that? See, the first thing that happens with people is they automatically think that they got to do something, that it's on them. You know what I'm saying? God said, I'm going to be with you. Yeah, you ain't nobody. You're not going to be able to tell Pharaoh to let people go and he's going to let them go. I'm going to make them let them go. I'm just telling you to be my representative, and I want you to go and tell him that I said to let him go. <laughs> and he just kept making excuses. You know, God tells him that, and then he says, well, you know, I stutter. <laughs> I'm slow of speech. You know, I stutter. You know, I, he, I, I don't speak well. See, we always start thinking about the negatives about us. You know, what I can't do. Well, you know, I have education. I don't have this. I don't have that. You know, I'm this. I'm the other thing, right? And God is saying, Stop. why are you thinking that, that you got to do something? I'm sending you as my representative. I'm going to do it. I just need you to obey me and go. And see, that's what God is telling you with faith, right? Stop thinking about what you can and what you cannot do. Yeah, without me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can do all things through Christ, who daily infuses you with inner strength. Stop thinking about, well, I don't have the education to do that. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough this. I don't have enough that. If I send you to do something, do it. I got you. I'm going to make sure you have everything that you need. I just need you to obey. Stop thinking about what you can and can't do. Think about your limit. The more limitations you have, the, the better it is for you because God can really get the glory out of your life when he begins to do things for you. Amen. How did you get that? Right? Because people are like, you're not, you, how did you get that? Right. Now, now you say, God. <laughs> you know it wasn't me. I'm not smart enough for that. <laughs> See, God really gets the glory. See, when, that's why God you always uses people that don't have it. Because if, if he uses people that think they got it, they would be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm hot stuff. You know, that's how I, you know, I, I mean, let me show you how I did it. You know, I'm smart. I'm this. I'm the other thing, you know. But when you ain't got none of that and all you got is God, God is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use that person right there. <laughs> I'm going to use that because when, that, when, I, when I bring them through, people are going to be like, whoa. <laughs> I would have never thought. People see me today, they'd be like, man, I would have never thought. <laughs> but God, my two favorite words in the Bible, but God. <laughs> you know, yeah, see, I don't mind you saying whatever crap you want to say, but as long as you end it with, but God. <laughs> you know, I'm not that smart. I'm not this, that, and the other thing, you know, but God. <laughs> as long as you end it with that, it's all right. But God, I love it, I love it, I love it. See, God is able to put his super on your natural and make you a supernatural individual. You don't have to worry about, you know, how you're going to make it through. As long as God told you to do it, he's going to see to it that you make it through. 
All right, I got, I got to keep. It's getting late here, man. I got to finish my message. You guys messing me up over here. All right. <laughs> his word, let me say this. His word is an expression of his will for your life. His word. That's why it's so important for you to get into the word of God and for you to know the Bible for yourself. You, you got to read the word of God on a daily basis. You know, don't let it, don't let it gather dust on, a, on some kind of shelf or something like that. Pick it up and start reading it on a daily basis. Because there's no way you're going you're gonna to be able to, see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, how's faith ever going to come? The reason why most people don't have no faith is because they have no word. They don't open the Bible. They don't know what God has said. So they, can't they don't have nothing to believe for. They have, may have hope, but they don't have faith because they don't have a word. You got to open up the Bible so you can get your word. You know, find out what God has said. You're sick in your body, you should be looking up every single scripture that God has said concerning healing your body. And it's so easy nowadays, all you got to do is Google it. They give you every single scripture there is for health. Back in the day, I had like a whole desk full of a Bible, a concordance, you know. This thing was like a telephone book, you know, trying to review. Now everything is right here, right here on an app. <laughs> you know, so easy to get information now uh, uh, on the word of God. You get a whole list of healing scriptures, whole list of scriptures on finance, whole, scripture, whole list of scriptures on, on having peace in my life. I mean, just whole, like, 15, 20 scriptures. <laughs> and you just read them every day. And you consume them every day. And you begin to speak them over your life. That's why I said the word, the word, your word coming out of your mouth is so important. Every day. Very tedious, but every single day, I quote the scriptures over my life, my family, you know, my people in this church. I, I quote the every day. I got a list of scriptures that I've committed to memory for health, for finances, for for, for married couples, for singles, for um, for children. I mean, like a whole like, and it takes me like twenty minutes. It's the most. It's tedious. But I know it's releasing power because I'm speaking the word of God out of my mouth. All right, let me get, let me get into this. Now, again, Mark eleven twenty three. 23, it says, I assure you, I most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up, thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, God's unlimited power, but believes that what he says is going to take place, it will be done for him in accordance with God's will. That's the key. Whatever you're believing for has to be in accordance with God's will. And like I said, his word and his will are synonymous. In 1 John 5, 14 through 15, it says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of him. I love that. If you, if you are saying anything or believing for anything in accordance with God's will and you begin to ask God for it, the Bible says he hears you. And if he hears you, he's going to answer you. And that's why knowing what the word of God is saying is so important. Not just kind of, you know, making up your own prayers, but knowing what he said in his word is so vital because his word and his will are synonymous. 
And if it's according to his will, he's going to do it. Now, the extremely, uh, this, I'm going to make something, I'm going to make this point to you real quick. If it's not God's will for something to move out of your life, I don't care how much you believe, how much you pray, how much you fast, fast and ain't moving. Some doors are closed because God wants them closed. Some doors are closed because God knows that you would be hurt by what's on the other side of that door. So you just can't say, open this door for me. You got to make sure that it's accordance with God's will. With that being said, I want you to understand this. God is not obligated to perform your will. He is only obligated to perform his will in your life. And his will is revealed to us through the reading of the word of God. So again, if you want to know what his will is, you got to know what, know what his word says. Then you'll know what his will is for your life. Is it his will for me to be healed? Absolutely. I know it's his will for me to be healed. There's too many scriptures in the Bible that say so. Right? Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought about our peace was laid upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Right? God said, he says, I will not... He said, I will not put any of the diseases on you that are brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the God that healeth you. The word there for healeth is the, is the Hebrew word rapha, which means to mend by stitching. Jehovah rapha, or the Lord who heals you as a physician would. So he, is, he has obligated himself in his word to, to provide healing for you as a physician would, because he's the great physician. So you need to, what, what has God said in his word concerning my situation? That's what you need to find out. If it's in his word, it's a part of his will. Can you say amen? amen. I got to get ready to close. I got six minutes. Can you believe that? I can do a lot in six minutes. All right, let me keep moving. I'm going to get to this part right here. Turn to Matthew chapter 14, 25 through 33. This is what I really want to get to, and then I'm going to close. Matthew 14, 25 through 33. And it says there, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately he spoke to them, saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And then Peter replied to him, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. I like that. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. The first thing we see there is, you know, what faith comes by, what? Hearing. Hearing by the word of God, right? So now he has a word because Jesus told him, come. So he gets out on that water. He begins to walk. I mean, he's walking on, he's walking on water. You know what I'm saying? Pretty amazing. He's walking on water. He got out of the boat, walked on water, and began to come toward Jesus. But when he saw the effects of the wind, he was frightened. And he began to sink. See, as long as he was, 
as long as he was walking towards Jesus and he was focused on Jesus. He was walking on, I don't know how long he was on that water. It could have been 30 seconds, could have been, I don't know. All I do know is that he did something that nobody else in this world has ever done other than Jesus. He got out there on that water and was walking. That's pretty powerful as far as, I mean, if he got out there and took two, three steps and he went down, that's still pretty impressive. <laughs> you know, he, he walking on water. He's, he's focused, he's walking, but so, I mean, as soon as he takes his focus off Jesus and begins to look at the winds and everything that's happening, immediately he begins to sink. That's what doubt does. See, what the devil wants to do is he wants you to lose focus. See, when he gives you, a, when God gives you a word and you begin to stay, take that step of faith, as long as you focus on, on Jesus, you'll make it to your destiny. But see, the devil, he ain't playing no games, right? He don't want you to make it. So he's going to start throwing things your way. He's going to start trying to distract you. He's going to start, you know, trying to, you know, put obstacles in your path so that you can take your focus off Jesus and focus on what he's doing. The minute he did that, he began to go down. As long as he was focused, he was on that water. And I'm going to tell you today, as long as you stay focused on Jesus, you'll remain, as long as you trust God, you'll stay on that water. That's why you can't let doubt set in. See, when he saw the effects of the wind, he was frightened. See, fear set in. And the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, see, the, the devil wants to put fear on you. The devil wants to put doubt in your mind. He wants to put fear in your heart because he knows that if he can throw those things at you, you'll begin to sink. And it says, he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus extended his hand and caught him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You were doing so well. Why did you doubt me? You were out here on this water. Why did you doubt? I gave you the word. Right? I told you what my will is. And through that word, I gave you power to do what you couldn't do in and of yourself. Why did you doubt? Thank God he'll still rescue you. <laughs> I always fool around and say, I thank God, you know, Peter ain't praying no long prayer like people do, you know. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, you know, and he'd be like, ooh, he probably would have drowned, you know. <laughs> He said, Lord, save me. <laughs> Sometimes the best thing you can do, the best prayer you can pray, <laughs> Lord, save me. <laughs> but I love it, you know. But this is it. You know, when Jesus rescues Peter, he asks him the, the question that I believe we all need to consider. Why did you doubt? I can imagine Jesus going on to say, you're out there walking on the supernatural just like me but you allowed doubt to sink in. I told you, come to me. If you would have just kept focusing on me and believing in me, you would have never sank. What Jesus was saying was, what happened to your faith? Why did you stop trusting me? Why did you shift your focus 
away from me to the storm. And again, I think we should all consider that question today. Why are we allowing the enemy to distract us and stop us from being focused on the Lord to being focused on what he's doing? See, whenever he throws something your way, all he's really trying to do is distract you. I gotta, I'm going to read. I just want. Galatians 5, verses 7 through 9. It says, you are running the race well, or you are doing so good. Who has interfered, or who stuck out their foot and tripped you up and prevented you from obeying the truth? <laughs> so he says, you know, you are doing so well. You are running so well. This, ra this race called faith, you are running it well. Who sticked their foot out and tripped you up while you were running? Who distracted you? Who caused you to to stop running this race of faith. Who did that to you? And see, I've noticed that people could do that. Having wrong people in your life for sure could do that. Trip you up. You know? Circumstances can trip you up. You know, things not going your way. Things not happening the way that you had it planned in your mind. See, I was saying the other week, I said, I have, I have never figured God out to the point where I can say, okay, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen. I never, I've never figured God out to do that. Things have always happened in a way that I thought would never happen. And if you're trying to figure out what God's going to do, you're going to be disappointed a lot because you ain't going to be able to figure out God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's going to make it happen. But it won't be, it, it will normally not be the way you think it should. Well, this person's going to do this, and then that person's going to do that, and then I'm going to do this. That rarely ever happens. It rarely ever goes how you plan. And so you can trip yourself up personally. You could trip yourself up because something doesn't happen the way you thought it should. And now you're disappointed. Now you're discouraged because, oh, that didn't happen. This person didn't do that. This, this, you know, I thought that person would help me. I helped them. <laughs> but just because you help somebody doesn't mean that that same person is going to help you. God can use somebody. Because, see, God never wants you to depend on people. He wants you to depend on him. And so you can think, well, they should do something. I did something for them. They should do it for me, you know. But God may come a completely different way and touch somebody else's heart to do something for you. And, and, but, and God can do, God showed me, see, he can do that for you. He can touch somebody's heart to do something for you, but you're still mad because that person didn't do it. <laughs> it happened. I just thought they should do it. <laughs> the devil's so crazy, man. And have your mind so messed up thinking about that that you're not even considering the blessing that he gave you. And what he's done for you. Through, but I thought, see, I can't believe them. You know? See, God's going to make it happen. But again, it's not always going to be, rarely ever going to be the way you think it's going to happen. And so you can trip yourself up. You know? 
And, 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 and those things can stop you from running your race. I, I really got to close. With that being said, I want to end with this. This is the end of that whole scripture. Jesus goes through that whole thing, right? And, right, Jesus replied, have faith in God. 11, Mark, Mark 11, 22, I'm going to go all the way to 26. He says, have faith in God constantly. I assure you, I most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to take place, it'll be done for him, right, in accordance to God's will. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance with God's wills, believe with confident trust that you receive them and you will have them, right? This is where we usually stop. But Jesus don't stop. He keeps going. And he says, and whenever you stand praying, now here you are speaking to the mountains. You're, con you're releasing your faith. You're confessing things. You know, you're, you're telling that mountain to be removed. While you're doing all that, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Drop the issue and let it go. Why? So that your Father, who is in heaven, will also forgive you your transgressions and wrongdoings against him and others. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your transgressions. So here you are. You're confessing the word. You know, you're releasing your faith. And he says, why are you doing all that? Just make sure that you don't have anything in your heart against anybody else. Because if you do, you're wasting your time. Because the only reason why we have an audience with God is because we've been forgiven. That's the only reason why we can get into the presence of God, because we've been forgiven, because of what Jesus did. Now, he says, if you don't forgive other people, I can't forgive you. So if you're not forgiven, you're not getting no prayers answered. You're wasting your time. So he says, while you're doing all that confessing, while you're talking to those mountains, while you're telling them to be cast into the sea, while you're doing all of that stuff, make sure that you don't have unforgiveness in your heart. Are you standing there doing all that for nothing? Get that mess out your heart. It ain't worth it. I'll read this last final scripture, and I'll close. Matthew 18, 21 through 35, and this is just to crystallize this point. Peter came to him and asked him, Lord, how many times will my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let him go? Up to seven times? So he tries to be spiritual. Because <laughs> seven is the number of com spiritual completion, right? So he says, up to seven times? Being spiritual. Jesus answered him, I say to you, not to seven times, but 70 times seven. And then Jesus teaches him a parable, and he says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the accountant, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Let's call that a million dollars, right? But because he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and his children and everything that he possessed and payment to be made. So the slave fell down on his knees. Now I want you to understand, this man is a symbol of God the Father, Father right? We had a debt so big that we couldn't pay. So the slave fell down on his knees and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And his master's heart was moved with compassion, and he released him and forgave him 
canceling the debt. That's what happened to us when we gave our life to the Lord Jesus. We had a debt so large that there was no way we could pay it. And when we asked the Lord to come into our heart and we confessed our sins, that debt was wiped away. And he says, but the same slave, the one who was forgiven, went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii. Let's call it 100 bucks. And he seized him and began choking him, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow slave fell on his knees and begged him earnestly, have patience with me and I'll repay you. Same thing that he did. But he was unwilling. And he went and had him thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved, and they went and reported this to their master with clarity and in detail, everything that had taken place. Then his master called him and said to him, you wicked and contemptible uh, servant, I forgave all that great debt of yours because you begged me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave who owed you a little by comparison, as I had mercy on you? And in his wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers or the jailers until the debt be owed. His debt was, his debt was reinstated. Now we see exactly what, he was, what Jesus was trying to get at. My heavenly father will also do the same to every one of you if each of you does not forgive his brother from the heart. He says you had a debt you couldn't pay, and I released you of it. He says, now I want you to release anybody that owes you a debt. In other words, anybody that has done something to you that you haven't forgiven them of, I want you to do the same. And if you don't, then I can't forgive you. And again, I always say to people, the, the, it is not worth it. I don't care what, some, what anybody has done to you, it is not worth it. It is not worth losing the forgiveness of God. Because all doors begin to close. I believe that more people don't have what they're believing for from God because of unforgiveness than anything else. They refuse to release somebody that did them wrong. And because of that, they can't get their prayers answered. You know, I never forget. God showed me the severity of it. I was one day, my wife and I got into this argument. This is some years ago. We got in a bad argument. So I got in my car. I call myself trying to pray, you know, trying to get into the presence of God. And I just had this bad argument with my wife. And it was so cold in the car. And I'm not talking about temperature-wise. <laughs> I'm talking about his presence was nowhere to be found. And I'm sitting there trying to pray. And I, and I hear God say to me, your prayers are not reaching the roof of this car, let alone heaven. And he said, you need to call and apologize to your wife. I said, man, I ain't do nothing wrong. She should be called apologizing me. But I knew that if I wanted to have right relationship with God again, I had to get it right with her, whether I thought I was wrong or not. And so I, I did. And then the communication lines were open again. See, you, when you have unforgiveness in your heart, you block. You know, he says the heavens, the Bible says the heavens will be brass, right? Brass speaks of judgment. In other words, it blocks your prayers from getting through. 
When you have unforgiveness in your hearts, the heavens become brass to you. Your prayers are blocked. They can't get through. So with that being said, I don't care, I don't care what somebody did to you. You need to release them today. You need to let them go. If you want your prayers answered. If you could care less about that, then, you know, have fun. <laughs> Being mad. You know, most of the time we're mad at people, they're not even thinking about you. They done went on, you know, they're having fun, doing, doing their, they're eating, they're, here they are eating a steak and you mad. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> they're they, they enjoying their life and you mad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like they, they can't think two, two times about you. And you have to say upset, you know, like, forget that mess, man. Let them go. Let it, just, just, just drop it. Let it go. And have an open heaven so that you can pray and get your prayers answered. Can you say amen? amen. We're going to close right here. I want you to lift your hands to Jesus as we get ready to close. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just want to say thank you today for your word. I really believe that you spoke to each and every one of us. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will give your people the grace to have now faith. And not just to have now faith, but, have, but to have constant and consistent faith. A faith that they release through their words. Let them have a faith so strong that they won't doubt in their, they won't doubt in their heart in your, in your power or, or in your ability. I'm praying, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you'll grant us all the grace to forgive any and everybody that has hurt us, betrayed us, wounded us. Even as you have forgiven us for the things that we have done in our lives, in our past, and even things that we're currently doing right now, you still forgive us. There's still provision made. And Father, we just pray that you will bring the thing that we're believing for to pass. And I want you to show each and every person here that if they will believe you, if they'll trust in you, if they'll have faith constantly, that they will receive everything that they have been trusting and believing you for. Grant us the grace to not be quitters, to not give up, to not throw in the towel, to not to let the devil to distract us, to not let the enemy uh, pull us away from faith to doubt and into fear and worry and unbelief. I'm praying that you grant us the grace to stay focused on Jesus, keeping our eyes fixed on him so that we can continue to walk on the water. Let us not start focusing on the storms around us. Grant us the grace to stop allowing people to trip us up and cause us to fall. And Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We bless you. We worship you. We give you glory, praise, and honor. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name, amen. Now listen, if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus, you're, walking on, you're watching online, you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus, and you want to do that today, or you're backslidden and you know you are and you just want to get it right with God. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up on your feet. If you're watching online, do the same. I want to say this simple prayer with each of you, and we're all going to do it together. Amen. Amen. We're going to all do it as a family with these two beautiful People standing up? Yes, we're going to say all together as a family. I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father 
I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, come on, let's just give Jesus a praise. God bless you. Amen. All right, we're about to do. We're going to worship God here with tithes, with offerings, special giving as we get ready to close. You know, the Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance, the first fruits of all your increase. If you do that, your bars will be filled with plenty of your presses. They'll burst out with new wine. He said, bring all the tithe to the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. In other words, he says, take care of my house. And if you do that, he said, I'll take care of yours. I'll open up for you the windows of heaven. I'll pour you out blessings that you don't have room enough to receive. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Hallelujah. So tithes and offerings, they go in this envelope. You know, I was in service today. My pastor said something that blew my mind. He said, see, we got to begin to fight financially. And see, if you don't fight financially in the spirit, you'll be left to this world system. In other words, if you don't sow by giving your tithes and your offerings, you'll be limited to what you can produce with your own hands. See, in, in other words, you know, you, I can only work so many hours. You know what I'm saying? But when you honor God, he begins to stretch the finances that you have. Or he begins to open up doors to give you opportunities to receive finances in other ways. When you don't honor God, you're limited to what you can do on your own. When you honor God, he can then begin to multiply the seed that you sow. Can you say amen? So tithes and offerings, they go in this envelope. You're going to write a check. You write it to the love of Jesus. You can give on your debit card. You can use our cash app at cash sign L-O-J-N-N. You can use our Giveify at love of Jesus of North Nork. You can also use our Zell at lojnorthnork at gmail.com and you can give your offering in that way. Also, let me mention this to you. Please stop talking for one moment while I'm talking up here, please. We're having a baptismal pool built. Who in here needs, wants to be water baptized? Anybody? Got some people? Okay, good. We're having a baptismal pool being built right now. We're, it's going to be on wheels. We're going to roll it right over there. It'll be right in the corner. It'll look like a piece of furniture. When we're ready to use it, we'll roll it over here to where that room is the utility room where the water is. And we'll fill it. And we got, I'm going to buy a heater to go into it so that the water will be nice and warm. It'll be like 80 degrees when you get in it. And I'll be able to stand outside. You'll get in it. And I won't have to get wet. I'll, just have, I'll baptize you from the outside. <laughs> I may get splashed a little bit, but I won't, my whole thing won't get wet. Then, you know, I'm going to have like a jacuzzi in there. So it's like, it'll be like the pool of Bethesda, like God stirring up the waters for us. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm going to have LED lights. It's going to be so beautiful, you know. It's, it's being done right now. So next week, I'm going to be taking a look at the uh, initial uh, building of it and to make sure everything is good. But by the end of February, we'll have it. 
and then we're going to do a special baptismal service in March for anybody that wants to be water baptized. All right? It's going to be awesome. It's probably going to be the most meaningful thing, I believe, that we will do this year. I think it's going to be awesome. So if you want to help us with that, you know, we're, we're paying a lot of money for it. If you want to help us, you can give a special offering towards helping us with that. We would greatly appreciate that. All right? We're also, you know, we had our food pantry yesterday, and we fed over 800 people yesterday, something like that. Pretty amazing, you know? And next month, starting next month, we're going to um, do digital signups. So we're no longer going to have to fill out all that paperwork. We're going to buy Chromebooks so that when we load people's information into the computer system, we'll be able to just pull their name up, and then all they got to do is sign, and it'll be done. So we're going to start that next month. Pretty amazing, right? I can't wait for that. Um, also, I want to mention to you, and we can go ahead and take, start taking up the offering, but um, starting uh, February the 2nd, we're going to open up our church again on Thursday nights for, um, we're doing a school of ministry. And for those of you that want to learn, want to be uh, leaders or want to learn about service and ministry and things of that nature, it's going to be awesome. We're going to have special guest speakers here on Thursday night at 6 o'clock, starting February the 2nd. Um, the purpose of it is to develop and prepare our leaders, aspiring leaders, and people that want to serve in ministry. It's going to be awesome. Um, February, we're going to have Reverend Fred Rodriguez with us. He's from the Love of Jesus in Orange. He's awesome. He's been serving in ministry for over 30 years, close to 40. And um, I've already started, you know, getting a bunch of different guest ministries throughout the year who's going to come. Great pastors, great men and women of God, apostles that's going to be able to come here and bless our ministry. So you should come on Thursday nights, starting February uh, the 2nd. You should start coming on Thursday nights, all right? Amen. That's it. Oh, now that's it. <laughs> Stretch forth your hands. Let's bless this offering. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you for everybody that gave to this offering today. Father, bless your people. Open up for them the windows of heaven. Pour them out blessings they don't have room enough to receive. Shower them with the blessings and favor of God. Give them more than enough where there is no lack. Cause them to prosper, flourish, grow, and be successful in everything that they do and in everything that they put their hands to. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. amen. All right. We're going to get ready to close. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up on your feet. I'm going to bless you as we get ready to go. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I don't want you to say this like a spiritual parakeet. I want you to say this, and I want you to believe it from your heart. Can you say amen? All right. The Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious and merciful and kind to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his holy peace in Jesus' matchless name. I want anybody to say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. And, I can't be cursed. and I can't be cursed in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. I love you. Have a great rest of your week. Thursday night, we'll be live on Facebook for our Thursday night service. Starting February 2nd, you guys start coming here. Amen. The Lord bless you. Play this soundtrack. If you see someone in need, meet them where they at. If you see someone that's hurt, hit them where they at. If you ever see a problem, home, solve it with this fact. If the Father put you through it, trust me, he gon' have your back. If you see someone in need.
Fellowship with us at the Love of Jesus Church of North North, led by Pastors Gavin and Tanya Taylor, where our mission is to find a need and meet it, find a hurt and heal it, find a problem and solve it.